0: always a boss. The CMA Certification. You've got to earn it. Visit cmacertification.org for details. Okay, 835, Monday morning, right here from the great voice of Volusia County, a.m. 1230, a.m. 1490. Every Monday morning, we focus on you and elder law, all the things you need to know. And if you're going to do that, we've got to talk to one of the best elder law attorneys in the area, The law firm of Aiken Law, here's Sherry Aiken. Good morning, Sherry. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, Skip. How are you?
0: I am doing good. Beautiful weekend. Hot, hot weekend, right?
1: Yes, it was. Got a lot of yard work done. Great hatters. How about the hatter game? The
0: hatter game was great. They played better than I've seen them play almost in a couple of years. So proud of those boys. Yeah, they're doing good. Hey, tell, tell us uh, what's going on with the elder law. I know a lot of people uh, worry about probate, and they worry about uh, if the will isn't the way they want it. What is the actions they can take?
1: You know, Skip, actually, I had to miss the show last week, so my husband, Dane Aiken, got to cover because I was actually in court. And of course, at Aiken Law, we do uh, uh, represent clients in court as well. And, you know, we, we get calls, uh, fairly frequent calls where uh, from a person who's not... You know, got disinherited, or mom left somebody. You know, assets that they didn't think they should have, and you basically they're not satisfied with the content of the will and wanted to know what they, um, what they do, what they can do, and of course in Florida you do. There's a process for contesting a will, but Skip, you know, it's a very limited right, and that's like you yeah. say, it's not a limited right, but the. The process for doing it is fairly limited. Yep, yep. You know, a good probate lawyer, so if I was representing a client where I was concerned that there might be a will contest, would send out a formal notice of administration to the beneficiaries uh, that are listed in the will. And what that notice does is it only gives you 20 days, wow. 20 days wow. uh, from receipt of the notice to file a contest uh, to the will. So, if if you uh, you know if you're in the probate process and you receive notice, it's not a question of waiting until you know. So, well, can we work something out, or you know, and you know, then we can file something. But even if you don't have, you know, don't get the formal notice of administration, but get regular service of notice administration through publication, it's it's ninety days, okay, from the date that the will is admitted to to probate. So, um, you know, it, it's a pretty limited time to uh, to make these claims, and so. You know, and, and oftentimes I do receive calls from folks who have waited too long, where they thought, "Well, maybe we can talk to the personal representative. Maybe we can work something out." But you really, you know, you file something and then you try to work something out because these are not rights that you can get back. Once the time pa- is gone, it's gone. And of course, skip that is because, um, because the probate process needs some finality to it. You know, okay. we, we we're not going to admit, you know, administer an entire probate estate over you know, three months or six months or a year and then have somebody come in at the very end and say, oh, I don't like this will. You know, we want to, I mean, you know, it's up front, you make those uh, contests and, uh, or not, or you waive them.
0: Okay. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Somebody makes a will. They make the will based on what they want to be given to loved ones, friends, whatever, right? Then, then really, how can somebody contest that?
1: Well, Somebody can contest it because, um, A, the testator tells them, you know, you know tells the beneficiary, well, you got this, or I'm not going to, you know, they, they say something. And oftentimes seniors, and this is what I encourage, you know, either if you're going to talk about your estate plan to your children or to your, to your beneficiaries, tell them what's really in there. Don't just tell them what you think they want to hear. Because I, and I've been in that situation where a client has been afraid to, you know, fess up to what they did. You know, this is your money. You mm-hmm. know, it's your right. You can leave it to whomever you want to, if yep. you've got the capacity to do so. You know, and no one really gets to um, complain about. Well, obviously, they did get to complain yeah. about yeah. it, but but it but it's your right to do whatever you want to with your assets. Uh, you know, following your death. But what I've seen is, you know, clients. You know, you know, maybe they've left money, you know, more money to one child because that child was very helpful to them during their lifetime. They're trying to pay him back. Um, or they 're dissatisfied with the choices another child you know whatever the reason is, but when actually discussing the plan, and they say well i 've left everything to everyone equally yeah you know and then and then what happens is we get the child that has you know maybe gets more because in fact they are more active in their parents life, um, being accused uh, by the child that got less of you know unduly influencing or you making dad do that or making mom do those kind of you know do it because because mom told me that she was leaving everything to everyone equally. Yeah. And uh so so that those kind of things lead uh to uh challenges. Another thing that leads to challenges is honestly is you know these de- is a deathbed will. Deathbed wills are not illegal per se or they're not in- ineffective, but there is a question of you know, if, if somebody does a will the day before they died and and it's they died oh. from a prolonged illness, not didn't just, you know, yeah, sure. you know, die in an accident or something like that. Um, that you know did they have capacity to make that will? do they really know what they were doing and if that will say left everything to a caregiver and what happened what about if that caregiver is not a family member it's a neighbor or maybe even a paid caregiver? Um, that definitely would raise some questions as to whether the individual had capacity to leave the will. Uh, did, did the uh, individual use a lawyer to do the will? you know if, you, if you've used a lawyer to do the will and that's what I tell people and I, when people call and ask about uh, a will contest i said was there a lawyer involved that's because the first thing that lawyer is going to do is going to get on the stand you know, take an oath and say yep, yep. yes this individual knew what she was doing when she signed this will we had a long conversation about this it took us several drafts we went through you know you know i mean oh uh, you know a lawyer is not going to testify that yeah i let an incapacitated individual uh sign a will but um, there is, you know, you know, online services, you know, you can go into, um, yep, I think, yep. to an to a office supply store and buy form wills. I've seen them photocopied out of books yeah. and, you know, filled in, uh, you know, basically out of a form book. Uh, does the will have to be notarized? In Florida, a notarization is not required for validity. However, Florida Has a statute that says if the will is self-proved and a self-proof is a it's basically the last page of your of, of my will package anyway, which a notary takes the oath of the testator and the two witnesses, the two witnesses are required that they were all present that the testator signed this document, that the testator intended this to be their, their will, okay. and that the witnesses saw the testator sign it, that the testator saw the witnesses sign it, and everyone signed it all in the right place, and it is notarized. That's a self-proved will. So a self proof will doesn't require any other proof once it gets to court. Okay. If the will is signed by the testator and has two witnesses, um, it's not invalid. However, the person offering the will for um, probate has to bring forth affidavits from the witnesses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so uh, but then once they do that again, that is proof you know that is that is um uh, you know, uh, but is proof that the will was at least executed properly, okay. but again, a will that's done you know it's it, you know handwritten' it's well, it 's done in a form setting as opposed to having professional counsel definitely is open to challenge.
0: Okay, well, Sherry, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, everybody wants to always say, oh, when I die, you're going to get this, you're going to get that, you're going to get everything, you're going to do what? And, and it's not what they're really intending. They're just trying to be nice at that time. Happened in our family. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, it caused a problem. I had an aunt that already said, you're going to get all my money when I die. When it got down to the end and she passed away, it was nothing like what she said.
1: Yeah. And that's really, I mean, like I said, um, you you know, the contents of your estate plan, you know, is confidential. And if you want to share it with your family, fine. And if you don't, fine. But if you're going to share it with the family, you really ought to be. Accurate in the information that you're providing, you don't have to provide explanations or excuses or whatever, but but know that if you you know if you lead people to believe something that's actually not going to happen, not only are you potentially setting your estate up for a costly legal challenge that okay. your your estate using your money is going to have to defend, but also you're creating you know um, you know bad feelings and and uh, rifts among your family do you really want to do that that's not you know it's not very nice but um you know in, in those kind of battles you know skip and you know, i know you know this you know sure. can 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 last for generations you oh, know, yeah. it's not a yeah. it's not yeah. a you know let bygones be gone bygones and i've always been amazed at how really nasty probate litigation can get and the things people say to each other during these times, and, and oftentimes there are things that, you know, can't be forgotten. Yeah,
0: family is family until it comes to money.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: okay. Hey, you've got an email address. People can call and ask a question about this or anything regarding legal uh, uh, elder law, I should say.
1: Yes, you can call me at my uh, office, and that's 386-738-5599, or email me at radio at Aiken that's A-K-I-N-Law.com.
0: Okay, Sherry Aiken's with us. We're focusing on elder law on this Monday morning right here from the great voice of Volusia County, a.m. 1230 and a.m. 1490. We'll be back right after these messages.
1: Preparing for the future is more than planning for retirement. I'm attorney Sherry Aiken. Join me here every Monday at 830 a.m. as we focus on elder law and explore options to give you peace of mind tomorrow. WSBB!
0: From your WSBB 2020 Volusia County Newsroom, I'm Amy Ryan. Florida Senator Bill Nelson has filed a measure to create fuel reserves in Florida for future hurricanes, but some petroleum analysts aren't sure that's a good idea. Sharon Parker reports. David Mike of the Florida Petroleum Council believes Florida did a good job managing the fuel supply in spite of empty pumps and the state's largest evacuation in the days before Hurricane Irma. We're always looking for improvements to that system and uh, identifying where they can be. But we did very well, and there was some heroic efforts made to uh, have the response that we did. Florida Senator Bill Nelson has filed legislation calling for the U.S. Energy Department to establish two reserves on each of Florida's coasts that would store at least a million barrels of oil. But Micah says he's not sure how that would be implemented, or if the fuel supply issue should be facilitated by the government. I'm Sharon Parker. From your WSBB 2020 Volusia County newsroom, I'm Amy Ryan. Need tree care? Professional tree care has been in business well over 20 years, serving most of Volusia County, from simple tree trimming to full tree eradication, bobcat work and sump grinding. Professional Tree Care owner Louis D. Arienzo is a 30-year Volusia resident transplanted from Long Island, New York
1: with motivation, hard work, and 100% customer satisfaction. Professional Tree Care handles every property like their own. Give them a call at 386-574-4445. Or check out their Facebook page at Professional
0: Tree Care. And look for the frog. If your import or fine automobile is sounding like this and you want it to perform like this, then take it to Holmes Auto Works. We believe that testing, not guessing, gets results. Today's auto needs professional, skilled mechanics. And not to toot our own horn too much, but you'll get the most reliable repair with Holmes Auto Works using the highest quality parts. There's engine diagnostics, brakes, and electrical. We're in Edgewater. Holmes Auto Works works. Don't forget news at the top of the hour. Yep, from the CBS Radio Network. Following that... Uh We'll have an updated weather forecast and then the best music bar none of any radio station. Right now we're talking about elder law and all the things you need to know. Sherry Aiken from the Aiken law firm is with us. Sherry, there's a lot of things when we're putting together a wheel, we really got to understand even what we do more than even what we write.
1: Absolutely. you know, and, and Skip, this is why it's really important. I mean, especially if you have a family situation where uh, it is possible that there could be contests into what you're doing. Um, Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Into what you're doing or how you are leaving your assets. If you are, in fact, uh, disinheriting a beneficiary or you're including a family member that other people don't like or a friend that, you know, people, you know, your other family, not people, but your family or your people who would otherwise inherit from you would contest or be concerned that that person received assets from you. Uh, Honestly, uh, and I hate to say this still, but, you know, uh, um, same-sex relationships, Skip. I mean – uh, with uh, and not just you know children, but you know f- siblings and even parents of uh, individuals in same sex relationships sometimes challenge um, those uh, those documents. Even though, of course, and of course, you know, uh, same sex marriage is is, is uh, legal in Florida now, and but that doesn't mean that these these, these societal biases against these relationships don't still exist. So, sure. if you've got that situation, I think it's very important to use the f- uh, services of an attorney. To uh, you know, get your documents in place because that one A, you've got a, a, a an independent um, third person actually talking with you, making records of what you're doing, as far as um, you know how you're uh, making these decisions to leave your assets. Uh, the the lawyer is going to write the will right. I'm going to do the use the right language to actually accomplish what you uh, are you know wanting to accomplish. And of course, you know, using somebody that has a great deal of experience writing wills in complex situations is useful because you know, you you want the language to do what sure, you say it's sure, going to do, yeah, you know, yeah. what you think it's going to do. And more, more importantly, is that the attorney is going to supervise the execution of the will and make sure it gets signed right, in the right order, uh, with the right kind of witnesses. And so, you know, to have a valid will, you know, number one, the will has got to be in writing. Uh, it has to be signed by the testator at the end. So, you know, and the end, really means there's there's nothing substantive after it, you know, because like I said before, the, sure. the, the self-proof uh, clause is after it. And the testator signature has to be witnessed by two witnesses who see the testator sign and see each other sign. And there's some case law that says, well, if they're kind of in the area, well, that might, you know, that might be okay. But, you know, when I'm doing wills, you know, I got everyone sitting around a table. We're not doing anything else. We're not... You yep. know, stamping or or, or uh, notarizing or witnessing any other document when, when it hits the will. We're all done with everything else. And we are watching testator sign. We are watching each other sign. And I'm like, you know, people want to get us. I'm like, no, 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 I can't leave yet because we're not done it's doing all these signings. And, of course, um, with a notary present to actually uh, execute that self-proof sure. um, affidavit.
0: Not sure. I First of all, I want to apologize because... Uh, there's gremlins in our computer this Uh-oh. morning. I don't know why, but they got there over the weekend. And so that's where we heard a little bump music. There. Okay. So I do apologize for that. Oh. You know, th- this prevalent, and I know a lot of families go through this, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Does anyone ever contest and say, "Ooh, they were in Alzheimer's when that will was signed"? How do you how do you go back and say, "No, it was signed before any any part of Alzheimer's was part of their life"?
1: Well, you know, Skip, um, you know that is a requirement that the um, that the testator must be eighteen years of age or older and must have capacity, testamentary capacity, t- uh, to sign the will. And the testamentary capacity is generally uh, described as a, the capacity to know what you have and who you want to leave it to. Okay. And, um, and I'll oftentimes skip, you know, we get clients to come in after that doctor's appointment, after the doctor's appointment where the doctor says, you know, I think you've got the beginnings of Alzheimer's or, you know, the beginning stages of dementia. Okay. And, um, and so yeah, they go to the doc or they, you know, the cancer, you know, they go to the doctor, they get the bad diagnosis and then the next appointment is with the lawyer. And uh, so the fact that there is a a diagnosis of dementia or or, uh, uh, dementia-related symptoms, those kind of things, doesn't mean that this person has dementia. Doesn't mean this person has Alzheimer's. Or more importantly, that if they have those conditions, that that the condition itself has uh, impacted. The decision making um, skills of of that individual, and again, that's why you really want to have a lawyer involved to document the process. Okay. I mean, I have had clients come in, uh, or you know, children, or you know, spouses bring in clients that uh, where the the uh, those those diseases have in fact impacted the. Uh, the client's ability to sign a will or a power of attorney oftentimes also is a trigger to bring a client in to see a lawyer, and in those situations, you know, I respectfully decline sure. to, um, to 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 prepare prepare those documents. But other times, uh, it's you know, it really goes to a question of, of of the capacity and my responsibility to my client is to uh, to ascertain that capacity. And I do that by, you know, actually talking a long time with the client, asking questions, you know, getting feedback. You know, if the client is just, just sitting there just kind of nodding their head or saying, uh-huh, or just agreeing with me, <laughs> I, I do have questions about capacity. But if they are, um, you know, interacting with me and, I, and I, I take copious notes about, you know, these conversations, sometimes I have office staff in, sometimes I don't. But, um, and again, but if I, if I think it's going to be a problem, then yes, I'd bring in office staff to do that. Um, one way uh, to, uh, to uh, avoid the contest is to have a doctor's opinion. You know, before you know, maybe the day of, and again, you have to have had capacity or not had capacity at that time, at the moment okay. that you, you sign, sign the, the will. Paper. Okay. And and some folks, you know, uh, as you get older, you know, you're a little bit slower in the morning, but by the afternoon, you're fine. <laughs> or uh, or by the afternoon, you're great in the morning, but by the afternoon, you're too tired. And that's one thing is I always make sure that I have a client, you know, come in to sign a will whenever they think that's the best time of their day, okay. you know, and not right after they've taken a shot of morphine or, or <laughs> you know, or something like that. But the other thing is if there is a concern is, is we videotape, oh. we videotape the uh, execution and then we don't just videotape the execution. We videotape the entire meeting uh, for the execution, which all goes goes, uh, you know, it's Involves reviewing the documents, making sure these are the same documents that we've reviewed before. Sure, sure, that there aren't any changes. I've misspelled somebody's name, which happens every once in a while. and oh, I, yeah, you know we're back and forth with the the word processing folks, um, getting that taken care of. Um, but then we record the whole thing so that's very clear. We we have on the tape not just the individual signing the uh, the documents, but interacting and engaging.
0: Okay, you know you've okay. got some
1: active engagement in. Um, the conversation, I think it's very, very difficult to challenge a will like that. Okay.
0: Now, Sherry, we got to ask one question. I know we didn't talk about this off the air. When you talk about wills, you've got multiple marriages this day and age. People get married, get divorced, get married again. It's always nice to get a new will. What happens if they don't have the new will?
1: your will is the last will you wrote okay and so you know go, no go to a cocktail party changed. hey you're an estate planning lawyer hey you know i got divorced 18 years ago now there are some there are some rules with respect to divorces and that and there are statutes that um invalidate provisions that uh, re- uh, deal with uh former spouses but what happens if you know, you're divorced but you're still close friends with that spouse okay. and you still intend that spouse to you know and inha- uh, receive something maybe not you know, what you normally would, but, you know, you're still, you're still, you know want to give them something. You still feel some kind of an obligation or responsibility, or you just want to give that person a, uh, you know, give that person something. If you're divorced and you still want to include this uh, former spouse in your estate plan, you need to re-execute whatever those documents are. So if that person is a, um, a beneficiary under a life insurance policy, and you want that person to stay the beneficiary under the life insurance policy, you need to execute a new beneficiary de- designation post-divorce. For that person, oh, you know, okay. You don't know, you need to sign a new will for that person.
0: You know, you're saying all the reasons why you need an attorney. Yes, I would have never thought of all that stuff when it comes to a divorce or anything like that. That we got to have things pre done, post done, things like that.
1: Definitely, there, there's you know, probate is not easy, and there's a lot of rules, and they're not just all probate rules. There are domestic relation rules. There, there are other laws out there that actually impact. Your decisions in the estate planning arena, and a really good estate planning attorney is going to know all of those, be able to say, "Hey, did you think about this or did you think about that?" And in many cases, of course, the client did not. And if you've gotten this will, your will, off of a, a pro, you know, an off a computer program yep. or a website, you're not going to have those questions answered.
0: That's right. You know, I in fact, I was smiling over here, and you were wondering probably why I was smiling because this is serious. But I was saying, boy, you just can't Google this information. You
1: cannot. You You'd, cannot. You've
0: got to have a professional with it. Let's talk about moving. We talked about it in in past weeks, but let's bring it up again for our new listeners. We moved from Michigan like I did. You've been in Ohio for a while. We've been all over the country. Now we are here in the Sunshine State. What do we have to do to make sure our will is right at the time of our death?
1: What you want to do is after moving to Florida is you do want to find a, uh, an estate planning attorney in your community or in your area who can uh, meet your needs and have that attorney review your documents. Again, uh, in all likelihood, the will that you signed in another state is, is valid. will meet these basic uh, requirements for a will uh, in Florida. It probably won't have the, the notary you know uh, self-proof attestation that goes with it but but it's going to be you know legal uh, a legal will okay. but will it do exactly what you want it to do under Florida law remember we have in the past i think talked about Florida's um uh spousal you know, yep. Florida has very unique spousal rights the right. elective share and Florida's elective share is not just the probate estate it's an it's a enhanced elective share that includes assets that pass outside of probate uh and so uh, many out of state wills would not especially if you 're dealing with a you know a multiple marriage situation or where you have you know the the blended family as you as it were sure um but um but real estate rights are so much different here with the homestead and theres you know there's three different kinds of homestead um so oftentimes the will is is probably fine. But if you've got unique assets or unique situations, uh, Florida laws probably are not going to interpret that will the way you want it to.
0: Okay, now our family home, let's say, is in Rhode Island. We move down here, but we keep the home up there. At the time of the death, is there Florida laws that have to have to look over that home, or is that all from Rhode Island?
1: Well, the Florida laws are going to interpret your will as far as where the property goes to. Uh, actually, your home in Rhode Island will require a... Rhode Island process, okay. so going to an ancillary administration to transfer that property from you know wherever you know from the the decedent's name into the uh, to the beneficiaries under the will. We like uh, using uh, revocable trusts. We've we've had some discussions about trust apart. Sure. Yep. you know owning real estate out of the state of Florida or out of your state of residence is an excellent reason to have an um a trust. Because if you have real estate that's out of your state, out of Florida, and it's owned by the trust, you don't have to go to probate in that state. So you wouldn't have to go to probate in Rhode Island. The trust would say, at my death, this property, you know, the trustee shall give this property to, you know, you know, name beneficiary or whatever they want it and done with it. But um, the well, Florida, so Florida law, I guess the short answer is Florida law would interpret the will, but then... Um, the personal representative would have to go to Rhode Island and get appointed in Rhode Island to actually have legal authority to transfer that real estate to whomever the beneficiary is.
0: Okay, we're running out of time. Let's get your phone number and your web address and also your email address.
1: Okay, the uh, phone number is 386-738-5599. Find us online at dot lawcom And please email me at radio at akin-law.com.
0: Sherry, it's always a lot of things we got to know about when it comes to wills and probates. We appreciate you spending time with us.
1: My pleasure to be here, Skip.
0: From the Elkin Law Firm, that's uh, Sherry Aiken on AM 1230 and AM 1490. Stay tuned now for CBS News. The great voice of Volusia County. AM 1230 WSBB.
1: News Myrna Beach, Daytona, Edgewater, Port Orange.